Welcome to the Product Hive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the question and answer panel discussion from our January 2019 event. On the panel, we have several experienced hiring managers, including Jeremy Bird, Jeff Carter, Patrick Cox, Grady Kelly, and Rich Polson, with Mike Curtis moderating. Finding a new job in technology can be daunting. There is so much that goes into UX. This panel seeks to answer questions such as, which skills are most important to hiring managers? How do hiring managers evaluate them? How can you acquire or improve the skills that matter? And how can you showcase your abilities better throughout the hiring process? A big thanks to 1-800-CONTACTS for hosting this meetup. And finally, be sure to join our community on Slack, where there's always lots of great conversation happening about UX, product management, and more. You can get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at ProductHive.org. So now, let's hear the Q&A panel discussion on skills hiring managers look for and how they evaluate them. Go ahead and get started so we have all of the time that that we need to, to ask these guys questions. So it will, like I said, it'll be a little bit of a different format from the other panels you may have been to. We want you guys to feed them uh, the questions and we'll let them, hopefully it flows kind of organically to make that, that work over the next hour. So why don't we just jump right into it? Um, let's first introduce them. So we have Patrick Cox, Rich Polson, Jeremy Bird, Grady Kelly, and Jeff Carter. Okay. Um, each of them, I mean, combined, we're sitting on decades of experience here of hiring, working in teams, freelancing, uh, probably every, every facet of design, product, uh, whatever it is you're looking to learn from, I'm sure we've got that, that group here that we can, we can pick their brains about. So let's give them a round of applause just for coming tonight, and then let's have our first question. All right. The floor is yours. What do we want to know? Hey, Mike, how do yeah. you want us to handle the, the mics? Is this so, going to be a so that's part of the unscripted approach. We won't touch the mics. Okay. Um, I'll repeat the questions as they come, and we'll just let you guys go ahead and answer those. They should pick up you guys without moving. Yeah, we have a question back there. Uh, just the first question, what skills are you guys looking for? Okay. okay, so first question is first question is the title of our meetup. Just real quick, how many uh, product designers do we have here? How many product managers do we have in the house? And what about development? Just out of curiosity, do we have any developers here? And what else do we have? Those that didn't raise your hand, what else? We have some students, okay? Just so that we can tailor our, our comments appropriately. Designer, the same thing as product designer. Yeah. Oh, you can open that right out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's maybe look at that first question. Like, what what are those skills that you guys look for, and how do you hire for them? Like, what is it? How do you evaluate those skills? Who would want to go after that first? Uh, well, it depends on it depends on the level that we're hiring for. First of all. Depends on, so for us, in my experience, it depends on who we're hiring. If we're hiring somebody that I want to help lead the team with me, then I've got to find somebody with different skills than like a junior designer um, or somebody that hasn't done it. So we kind of, I kind of break it down into like four kind of themes. 
and I wish I had my cheat sheet with me because I can't remember them. I, it, you, you generally think in terms of like soft skills and hard skills. One of those four groups is my hard skills. Like uh, I'll go through visual design, uh, UX design, um, business strategy, writing, and communication. So like hard, like more of the hard skills and tooling. Like what kind of tools do they use? What kind of tools do they know? Um, so those are like the, the hard design skills. The soft skills that uh, that I'm concerned with, regardless of skill level, is teamwork um, and collaboration. <clears throat> Mostly because, at least at Canopy, we've developed a, a, a um, an environment where we try to be highly collaborative. That we don't a designer doesn't go off on their own, like in their own box, and then come out three weeks later with this magical design, right? Um, we try to be more facilitators and work with developers and PMs and QA and other designers on the team to get ideas. So it's a constant iterative process. And in my experience, I've, I kind of run into two kinds of designers in that world. Um, people that really like to collaborate and people that um, want requirements and then I'll come back with the magic. And I don't think any, either of them are right or wrong. Um, and in our, in our environment, though, we are highly collaborative. So we want people that know how to like uh, talk to other people. Um, one skill, too, is uh, not getting offended. <laughs> it's a skill that we require. If I give you feedback, or if anybody on the team gives you feedback, you better be willing to take it, uh, especially from um, any skill level on the team from junior to senior. So that's really important to us. That's Those are kind of the ones that go across. The other ones, the other skills that we get into a little deeper depending on the skill level. So if it's more senior, we um, will kind of look for somebody who can be a mentor to the juniors on the team, uh, somebody who can who who can lead, and um, somebody who's had experience doing all of that over and over again. Right? Like they've repeated that process a lot, and they're, they're really honed in that. Um, so experience does come into play. Again, when we're hiring like new people, juniors, like we don't even look at experience; it doesn't matter to us. So we look at more of the teamwork stuff. Um, and more of how we can grow and what we can add to, to them. Um, I think facilitation, and you kind of briefly mentioned that, but I think that's really important, especially for like a mid or a senior level person is you know, kind of tying off the collaboration thing. Like we don't, design isn't done in a, an isolation, right? We have product managers, we have developers. And ideally we're working on cross-functional teams that you know we can all solve problems together. And so. <clears throat> One of the things, you know, that I have people do when I'm evaluating um, a designer is I'll have them come in as part of the on-site interview and I'll just give, I'll bring in, so I have product managers there, I have a developer there, um, and, and then myself and we'll just give them a design problem to help uh, just facilitate us all solving together. And it's things like, like one example uh, was, you know, improve the um, cooking experience for blind people. And like, we really just leave it at that. And then we, we kind of focus the scope in together and, um, and really, and the, the idea isn't a test of having them like just narrate out loud. It's, we wanna see how they kind of lead the team through designing together because that gives you an idea of how they would work with the team if we brought them on board. So that's one specific thing that I, I do, but I would agree I think collaboration is huge. How many people here work at a startup? 
smaller company uh, still going through and is you know in their A or B funding. Um, how many people work here for a larger organization? There's a lot of uh, probably thousand plus people, right? That the, the question that you ask is actually kind of complex because and Jeremy and I were just talking about this uh, right before this meeting started. And um, when you look at so when you approach a new a new um, employer, you have to keep in mind the the needs of the employer. Right. So if you're approaching a startup, most often than not, they're probably needing somebody that can contribute immediately, right? Right out of the gate. Um, they might not have the luxury to hire on junior, they might not have a mentorship program set up yet, right? There's some things that they need to grow with. Um, if you are applying to a larger organization, right, um, reaching out to that hiring manager and saying, what are your specific team needs? Sometimes um, we're looking at um, augmenting our team. So we might be looking for somebody that has deeper knowledge. You hear about these T-shaped models all the time, right? Where you're knowledgeable in a lot of things, but then you go deep in, in one of the areas. Um, so we might be looking at that at that point in time for somebody that can help augment. So they might be doing user research, or they might be better at uh, idea generation, or whatever it may be, prototyping. Um, and so I think it's important to know your audience. So you need to make sure that when you are applying to these different these different companies that you don't treat all of them the same and that you're honest with your skill level too of where you're at and what you're looking for. Um, so just in addition to what these two said. Great. Yeah, I think those are all really good um, examples of every company is really going to have a really different view of what they need. And I think a lot of times designers need to keep that in mind that just because you might not have been perfect for one place doesn't mean you wouldn't be perfect somewhere else and that you don't need a change. Um, I think the number one skill that we always look for at RisePoint is a term that um, Jared Spool talked about, which is called design. And what is Tib's definition of design is the rendering of intent. So one of the things that we really look for is whether you're strong on the research side, strong on the interaction side, or strong on the visual, can you render your intent for the people who need to see the information you're going to present? So if you're a researcher, can you boil down everything into a presentable way that an executive could understand or a developer or a marketing person? Can you really render that in such a way? So when I look at portfolios, what I'm looking for is can I easily scroll through your portfolio and see that you can render your intent over and over again, whether that's research, your interaction model, your visual design. And if I do, then I understand, if the person can do that, then I know that at any point, they're going to successfully communicate to whoever they need to in the organization. I tend to see if I can just get along with the person. You know, HR normally will might talk to somebody, but one of the first things I look for is if we're gonna get along well together. And, um, because you're going to argue about doing something one way or another or have heated discussion or whatever. And part of that is being able to take the critique. There's a couple people I've worked with recently where you would tell them, hey, did you think about this? And they're like, you need three fake UX rules why they didn't do that thing. You're just like, I'm just asking you to consider this thing. You know, I'm not putting the hammer down. Um, and so I think being able to have those conversations and getting along and just joking around, I think is. One of the more important things to me is like being able to do the job. Great.
Okay. That's why you hired me, right? That's why I hired Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish you would hire me to read Thomas. How do you move from, let's say, mobile development into those different areas AI or machine learning? Okay, so the question um, how do you move from mobile development into like AI or machine learning? Okay. Are you asking about like what that career path looks like? How would you, if you don't have any experience in that area, how would you go about making that transition into an area, say, to another company where they are hiring for, say, a product management or a, a AI team or some other Okay. So, yeah, how would you guys go about instructing someone to take that career path? So this is kind of what I did. So I I actually started, I studied guitar in school, I studied design, and then uh, I actually did systems engineering stuff first. And then uh, the place where I worked at, they um, they got rid of, they replaced us with software. And so I had to make sure I had a job. And so I scooted over the product team, and I think because I had this creative background, just went well to doing the type of work that we do. And so I just did whatever I could. I mean, I did, I read books, I, I made my own projects, I did a lot of that. A lot of times when I've interviewed uh, more junior designers and they ask me, how do I get more experience in this field, I'll tell them, go, go make a to-do list app or an email app or any of those crazy simple apps you see on the dribble and go show them to your mom or dad or someone to get feedback. And, and I don't mean make a couple of screens, I mean make 20 screens. Um, and I think the same would be true if someone was moving into development. Go make a web page, go build a website, go you know, do the thing over and over, and then use that as experiences to having done that thing. Learn the terms, know how to speak to people that <coughs> do that thing. There's a lot of guys that do um, like self-help stuff. They say you want to be a bodybuilder, go hang out with bodybuilders. You know, if you want to be a, a Wall Street guy, go hang out with financial people. I think you just need to, I mean, being here at something like this for designers, I think is one step towards that. Um, the other thing I'm just going to say is one, one thing that's super important um, with any kind of design really is how you go about solving problems, right? That's one, one reason why, you know, a lot of managers like case studies portfolios or, you know, even if it's not super long, at least something other than the final, you know, design. And I, because if you can show that you know how to solve problems, it can take you and put you in any environment and you're going to be able to adapt with, you know, a little bit of um, onboarding and stuff. And so, you know, I, I think what, what Grady was saying is, is absolutely spot on. Um, but also at the same time, if you don't have that experience yet and you're trying, trying to gain it, um, make sure that in your interviews, in your portfolio, you really make it clear like how you solve problems because that might make you know I would I would rather hire someone who has you know experience really know has a deep um, expertise in in solving those problems um, and doesn't just jump to the doesn't just jump into mock-ups as an example right that takes the time to understand the business understand what we're trying to do, understand what are the priorities, and then crafts the solution accordingly. I like to use the example of, I think a good, a good designer is like a chef, right? That you can take whatever ingredients he has in his kitchen and make something delicious. But right? I think a good designer is like that as well, where 
You know, you can put them in any situation, give them a set of constraints, a set of, of problems to solve, and they can create something great. Um, and so if you can show that in your portfolio or in your interviews, then, you know, that AI design manager or whatever is going to take a chance on you a lot more than if you had, if you just, you know, tried to show the, you know, just tried to show the AI experience alone. So we just went through this, this exercise not too long ago, and I want to be mindful that we have also others that are non-designers non here, right? That um, what we're talking about is skill transfer, right? It's what, what can I take that applies to my current career and move it over into maybe some other area where I want to become more proficient or gain deeper knowledge in, right? And so um, whenever I'm working with uh, career development, where I'm working with people that already, so this is, this is in the case where you already have a job and you're working with your manager and you wanna move into a different area, um, is we put together uh, a simple list of uh, strengths and weaknesses. We do a kind of a strength and weakness analysis. Where are you strong? Where do you feel like your strengths are? Where are your knowledge gaps? Because we don't want to discredit all of your experience that you have just because you simply doesn't you don't know something about a certain field, right? Um, so what we what I would recommend that you do if you're looking to make a move um, is to go talk to your to your direct manager, put together that that analysis, say, hey, this is some area where I'd like to improve in. Um, I typically like to put a date on that of like, hey, in three months, I would like to be here. In six months, I'd like to be here. Um, what are the things I need to do to get there? And so um, when we have identified those knowledge gaps, it makes it a little bit easier to say, um, oh, okay, so for um, AI or machine learning, right? Um, you might, if it doesn't exist, that's, that's one thing, that's, that's a difficult jump to make, right? But if that team exists, um, generally it starts with reaching out to that team and saying, um, what in this three month time span or six month time span, whatever it is, um, my employee would like to make this transition. And now that's not always the case. There's not always a need for it, right? So you kind of have to, to build that need. Um, but that's the discussion I'd have with your direct hiring manager and addressing it in those terms. So it's not this, hey, I'm just, I'm done doing development. I want to move over to AI per se, which, which has some, some components. So you want to do a skill transfer at that point. Um, it's the same for product management to UX, UX to product management, management to development. Um, there is so much that we have in common um, when working together that it's natural to want to make some of those transitions. Um, and so that's kind of where I'd start with that. Great. Yeah, Jessica. Uh, what things do you hired to do Okay, great question. So, wow. All right, so the question. No, you're all right. Yeah, he's got personal experience on both sides of this. So let me just repeat really quick. So Jessica asks, uh, what, what do the new hires do? Like, what are some of the things they have done that make you regret your decision? <laughs> Uh, my team's not here. No, no, no. How about it, Patrick? This is, this is not recorded, right? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I've had any. I don't think I've had any that I regretted hiring. I think I've liked everyone that I've hired. Uh, what have they done? 
when they start? Where they do that? So, I think one of one of the things is everybody's going. I don't know if it's always regrets, but there's always going to be some areas that, as a hiring manager, you may have missed. So there could be areas that you now have concern that you know you have to put an extra little bit of effort into. But I think the biggest thing that um, probably any hiring manager is concerned about is if the individual comes in and tells you that you're always wrong. So that sounds weird, but there's been times where I've either seen someone on my same level when I was a, a junior designer or middle level designer and watched designers tell the director, you're wrong, we're not going that direction, I'm gonna fight you till the death, versus let's go in, have a conversation, understand what's going on and, and present it back. So I think that can be the biggest regret is when you have a conflict of either personality or direction and it's not to say that every director is going to be right and they make corrective uh, decisions, but it's can you have an adult conversation instead of getting mad and running around and, and backbiting to the other designers that the director is wrong. I think that's when regret comes in, is that if you bring someone in that becomes cancerous to the team rather than help building the team. I, I would say to that, echoing off that too, um, the times where I feel apprehensive, like, ooh, did I just hire, did I just ruin my team? Um, is when, is that same case. You have people that come in, I, I would rather, like, I'm, I'm the type of person that when I get a new job, I kind of hang out for a while and just kind of like, I have all these wonderful new ideas, um, but I kind of hang out to try to see if I can get a sense of the culture and stuff like that and then inject these new things. Um, I've had a few, I've had a few hires where they come in and they have a lot of ideas they're full of ideas and they want to change everything and they see the app in, uh, and they see all the scars of our application and they're like, we can fix this and this and this and I'm like, uh-huh, what did I do? Did I hire, I need somebody to just to contribute to this. Um, I think that's the time when I would get, that I've been most apprehensive, but it's not, it's not often. Well, you, it's hard to have buyer's remorse. I was thinking about this last year. You can't, even with a house or a car, you only drive it once. A house, you, only, you can't go live in it for a month before you buy it. It's hard to know. I don't even think you pick out everything, you know, when you're when you hire somebody. There was one person um, that we had hired at where I worked once, and that person just was really banging heads with development. And it wasn't. I mean, they're really great. I think they're they just clash because of their personalities. But that's not something you can figure out. You can't have them talk to everyone in development and figure out who's going to clash with. Don't necessarily know what they're going to work on when they come, so it's it's difficult to move that out. One other thing is kind of ties into what Patrick was saying, but um, is that you you need to understand, like especially in any job, not just when you're new, but especially when you're new, is take time to understand the business, like understand the history, understand why the design decisions that were made were made the way they were made, right? Um, it, you may, it may, you know, may have something to add that you could have you know, done it differently and maybe in a better way, but at least having that understanding, just like you would try to understand your users, um, understand the business and make sure at the beginning of you know, your employment and pr any project for that matter, that you're really clear on that because that will help you be able to contribute better sometimes if you just read about something or you look at something and you think, um, oh, I can improve that 
well, you don't have the context to understand why those decisions were made. So get that context. That's something. And so those situations, I have had people where they just come in and want to change things. And um, I don't understand that context. And that can be. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to change things and pushing the team. Not at it's all. It's how you approach it with your team. You become a pain to your team, or do you become a pusher and a driver of, of that change? Great. Um, let's go here and we'll come over here. Um, could you talk about some of your more successful hires and what made them great? A big fit with company and their teams. Okay, so the question was, can you can you guys tell us about some of your more successful hires and what, what made them great? What made them kind of thrive in those teams? So I think uh, there's a, a book out there, I don't know if if any of you have read this, but it's called Radical Candor. Um, and one thing that I've always appreciated in my, uh, in my employees, the people that I work with really closely, has been uh, the ability to disagree, but to do so um, out of respect. Uh, there's another book, it's actually a program called Crucial, Conversa Crucial Conversations, uh, which is more of a vital skills, vital smarts training, which basically says, um, there's, there's the three P's. Um, when do you need to have a crucial conversation with your boss or a peer? Uh, and that is, is it, is it a people issue? Is it a process issue? Or is it, uh, let's see, people process, a, somebody say it? No, people process or pattern. Uh, you know, and if you can identify in yourself, like let's say that you've, to, to answer the question earlier about, uh, you know, about maybe employees that might um, not not necessarily have that I have regrets about, but it's people that become silent, right? When they feel like they don't have a voice, and and that's something on me as a as a as a manager that if that's the case, then I need to also we have blind spots, right? And so we need to. Uh, I really love employees that are open with their ideas. That uh, you know there will be times when. You know, ideas because it doesn't have a high enough ROI or whatever it is cannot be developed, right? But um, people that are openly um, candid with their with their feedback, both for me and they both receive it well and give it well, right? I think that's something that's a, a soft skill that we all need to learn a little bit better. Great. I think the people on my team that have been the most successful. I mean, I think they're all successful. Uh, did you look at the camera when you said that? Yeah, they're all successful. Um, I, think, I think they're all successful. The people that I think are, are more successful from like day one are the people that are just hungry about everything. So they come in and they want to learn. They're asking a lot of questions. Um, and that's regardless of skill level. Um, you know, senior, junior, mid, whatever. Whoever you are, like if you just come in and ask questions about everything, like. How does the business operate? Like back to the last question, like why is that stupid in the application? Like why did you do that? And then you know, like those type of people, I think are the more successful people quicker because they they ramp up a lot faster. You're constantly learning, right? Yeah. Well, to that point, going back to the very first question of what skills do we look for, one of the things that always surprises me is when we have an interview and I kind of start out introducing the company and they say, "What questions do you have for me?" Zero. And they say, well, I don't have any. 
are going to stay in this office and yeah. What other questions do you have? There's nothing there. That's a huge red sign, right? It's a not, it's knowing that the person might not be curious. Like I'd love in an interview process for someone to make me stop them from asking questions because we got to get on with something. Interview you, yeah. And so I think to that point, just being curious and always wanting to know. Or um, I I think the people who are the most successful are the ones that tend to come in and not do a task and then sit there and wait for someone to give the next task. They're just asking or naturally trying to find what's the next thing that they should work out. We brought on someone recently and I had told him that we're, we're just now starting to do agile with our dev teams and it's kind of hard. They don't want to necessarily do it and have things told to them by product and design. And one of the first things he did was he played foosball with them all the time. He's really good at foosball so they love to play with them. And, and I just saw that made more, uh, it encouraged them more to talk about design problems. Because they played foosball, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but because they had that camaraderie around something that was outside of work, even though it was in the office, it made things a lot better. Well, building trust with your team members is, I think, as quickly as possible. You can do that in the interview, you can do that other places, but yeah, those kinds of things, I think, naturally just add trust to other people. But the other thing, that's a, that's a skill I think uh, I learned over time when I interview is always make sure I have a list of questions to ask them. I don't want to hire anybody that doesn't want to work at Canopy Tax. And so, like, that means you have to really love taxes. <laughs> doesn't mean you have to really love taxes. I don't. Uh, it wasn't my dream to work at a tax software company. But um, I want people that want to work there. And so people who come in and have, like, I've had people that ask me, like, where did your CEO go to college, like in an interview? And I'm like, that's a good point. I don't know, I don't, I'll, I'll ask him that. But those people that are naturally inquisitive or wanna learn more, they, like, even if it's, this may sound terrible, even if it's fake initially, <laughs> um, it shows the hiring manager that you kind of care about this job. The, the last thing that I like, uh, that will make you successful at any job is to just be like, oh, they're hiring me because I'm awesome. like. No, I'm hiring you because you want to work here and contribute to my team. So I think that's an important kind of interview skill to have. Uh, just uh, one more, one more thing is uh, emotional intelligence. Right, you hear that word a lot. Um, you know, there are some times where I, I flat out had uh, candidates uh, disagree with an approach, which is fine, but or take criticism the wrong way. Right, we always want uh, criticism <laughs> constructive. Um, that being said, I found that the most successful candidates um, have a high degree of emotional intelligence. They also have a sense of humor, right? I mean, we all work in high-stress environments um, where we're constantly trying to meet a deadline or uh, ship that, that feature or solve that problem. Uh, there's a budget associated with it. Uh, we're trying to keep the C-suite the happy. Uh, every, everything else that, that surmounts into the stress that can be work is to, again, I think some of these guys have nailed it right on the head, is develop that relationship, not just with your boss, with others throughout the, the organization, and don't take it so, so seriously. And it's not just like work well with others kinds of things. It actually helps you be able to put out a better product because if you know, you're always having fights with you know, your executives or your product manager or something else, you're gonna, you're gonna not be able to get value to your users as quickly and as well, and um, 
And so being able to understand them, understand what they're trying to accomplish, what their perspective is on things, really actually helps you to uh, get better results as a, as a company together um, than, than if you just try to push through you know, an idea because you know some article you read said that was the best <laughs> thing to do. He went to BYU, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Grady looked it up. I looked it up. Oh, really? You Googled it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a, a question over here, too. I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so whenever I've been fortunate to like, be like, on the inside track of like, seeing like, the hiring process from like, the hiring manager's side, or at least like, when I'm like, you know, interviewing at places, there's been a couple times where I like, know somebody that works there, and process and I always hear this one like this re recurring thing when they're going through the hiring process is that they're, they're like I don't see I don't, I don't see candidates do this like there's just this stuff. out of like the 30 candidates they're interviewing they just say I really wish someone would do this like do you, do you kind of understand that like do you ever see that like I really wish that they would bring this up in their process so kind of a, no, no, no. So your question is, what is the this, right? Like, yeah, what's the what's the this? Is like, I really wish, like, when I was going through the hiring process, I saw more. This. Right. What is the this? So just to just to re restate that. So you you know, being involved in that, you've seen being involved in the hiring process. You see kind of hiring managers. You know, you see thirty people, and there there's this thing that you wish that candidates did during that hiring process, whether that be you know, that interaction they have with the teams that they bring in for the interview process, or maybe it's that open candor to just ask questions and, and feel comfortable in an interview. What, what have you guys determined that your this is? What is that thing that you wish those candidates did? So I don't know what it is because <laughs> it changes every time, and you probably won't know what it is either. I, when, when we're hiring, we look to find somebody that will fill the holes in our team, right? Whether that be like a hard skill like visual design or UX or whatever, um, or uh, like something personality-wise on our team. Like you might have a you might have a team with a bunch of you know they're they're really good designers. There's three of you. They're really good designers, but they're all kind of deadheads and nobody likes to play foosball. So somebody comes in and they're like foosball champ at BYU or whatever, and you're like, oh, this this person is going to add something to my team, which is uh, I spend eight hours in my at my job every day more than eight hours, but um, I gotta make that experience suck less. So the people that uh, that I work with, I want to work with. And um, so like, I've, I've met candidates, uh, this is gonna sound really harsh, but I've met candidates that are perfectly adequate for the job, but I've fallen asleep in the interview or have like drifted off. And when you go to like, when you when you go to like talk with your team, so I, I talk with my team about everybody we interview, and then all my team like there's there's been candidates where all my team is like, oh man that guy was awesome like he was so good and everything like that and they'll come to me and I'm like dude I fell asleep in the interview like how am I gonna work with that guy if I fell asleep in the interview, like regardless if I had an hour of sleep last night, there's got to be some kind of level of connection there and so I think it I think it depends on what we're looking for at the time. So, I don't know how to specifically answer that question. Well, um, I know it's, it's borderline like pontificating. Right yeah. Now, but 
So I think one of our, my biggest things is just for an internship, we had over 90 applicants for our current internship. Do you know how many Medium articles I scrolled through? <laughs> Do you know how many look exactly Preach. the same? <laughs> so what this thing that, that we always look for is how does somebody stand out from the crowd? What did they do that's a little bit different? Um, and I know that sounds like it means more effort <coughs> on your part, but it also shows me that you actually want to work for me. That it wasn't just another link and you happen to apply, but you actually go that extra mile to stand out from the crowd. Because the funny thing is, I've just hired an intern. He's here, so hopefully I can point him out at some point. But he asked me today what stood out in my portfolio. I said, I don't even know what's in your portfolio. Right? Like they start blending together, especially if you do internships, because you see so many portfolios over and over again. So it's those individuals when you see they're a skill or something in their portfolio that sticks out from them. Um, like you have something weird, like you worked on some crazy project and you were proud of it and talked about it. Now I remember you as the giraffe guy, right? Like there have been a lot of times we've got into things and said, why was that guy so excited about giraffes? Like, that's weird. And that but, becomes your regret. <laughs> <laughs> it depends if you have a pet giraffe. That, that guy's cool. talking about giraffes all the time. <laughs> right, but at least that person now is not just Bob. He's the giraffe guy, and everyone can relate to who that individual is. So they tend to stick in your mind a lot better. So for us, that it is stick out more. So, I, I can tell you one really specific thing, though, now that he brings that up. Giraffe. is uh giraffes <laughs> um the the like crazy flamboyant like resume i will i i hate those like i don't i don't care about i'm trying to see if like you have the skill set um but the so don't try to show too much personality in your application because i think that can be a negative thing but the one thing i know that everyone especially with like the junior designers is they present the problem in their case study the, the long medium article that i have to read that I won't read. They they have, they present the problem. If I scroll all the way down to the bottom of that medium article or that portfolio piece, and their visual element or whatever their result is doesn't actually solve that problem, or they can't speak to why it solves that problem, then there's not a chance that they'll go to the next level. I think that's probably the one thing I look for in, in any of that process. Before you continue, it sounds like you're looking for some like level of obsession, excitement. Yeah. 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 Also. <laughs> also, also, the one other thing that's kind of closely related to that is some semblance of personal branding, which means like, what is your brand promise? What are, makes you different? What, what are you, what are you going to bring to the team that other people aren't? And also, what aren't you? What aren't you interested in? What, you know, in what situation would you not be the right fit? Because as already been said, we're trying to match up needs, and so. You know, doesn't mean that you're bad, but like you know, when I look for when I look for jobs, you know, I I, I spend you know a lot of time on my you know even when I'm not looking for a job, I spend a lot of time on personal branding because I when when I do need to look for a job, I want the right employers to be attracted, and I want the wrong the employers that aren't going to be a good fit for me to be to not be interested. Um, and so thinking about what you don't want, the environments you don't want to work in, the, pro the kinds of projects you don't want to work on, like that can actually end up strengthening and helping you with your job search. Know your, know your audience. Yeah. Great. 
You know, just to add to that, to you, um, Mariah Hay, VP of Product at Pluralsight, she has really inspired me with, I think, something that piggybacks on what each of you has said, and that is design the way people experience you. Like, if that can stand out, if that can, if that can be something that is your brand, like that experience people have of you, that's kind of something I've been obsessing over. Like, how do people experience me, whether that be on paper or on a resume or in person, whatever that is, like design that experience. Uh, where was that hand? Right here. Um, piggyback on what you guys were saying just now, um, how much stock do you put in between uh, a portfolio, a resume, a cover letter, and within that, skill versus personality. Okay. Uh, no, no cover letter. I'm weird. I will never read a cover letter. Uh, I'm also weird. Hey, I'm being transparent. Um, I on the resume. I, I, the thing I'm looking for on the resume is their portfolio link. Like when I get a resume, I look for their portfolio link, and then I go directly to portfolio. Um, the thing I look for on the resume is, are they qualified for this job? In that. Every time I open up a job, and I don't know if you guys get this, I get architects applying for the job, and I get uh, product <laughs> managers applying for the job uh, of, of designer. Um, I get anybody who wants to work at Canopy applying for my job. So that means like they're trying to get like a they're trying to find a network person to talk to uh, when they apply. So I quickly just scan and be like, oh, they kind of know what they're talking about. Where's their portfolio link? And then I go there. I put a lot of stock in the portfolio. Um, and then after that, uh, it's, it's the interview. The interview is hands down the number one thing for me. I think one of the big things too is if you can talk about the craft well enough. Because I have sat in interviews and I'll ask, well, if you did a design challenge of some kind, well, how do you think your design challenge solved the problem? And if they say, say things like, oh, well, I, it's so much more user friendly, and it's so much more, you know, this or that buzzword, and uh, I've told a couple of people this, but it makes me think of uh, on Food Network, when they had Food Network Star, there was an episode where Bobby Flay was getting on to this guy for calling the food delicious. He's like, quit saying that, you know? And my kids that were in the room like, why, don't they want the food to be delicious? And I was like, well, but you don't like tuna fish, and you like this, right? So if you could say tuna fish is delicious, they would never believe you, right? It doesn't make any sense to call it that. But if you can talk more to why you, Maybe you took the design challenge and you actually showed it to people. We've had people do that, where actually the user tested something that they designed for it. And if they can talk to the, the realness of that instead of BSing their answer, then it's a big deal. Tuna fish, cabbage, and LaCroix, all terrible. <laughs> Throw that out there. That would have been a regret for me, too. Any other responses to that? Or? Good. Okay, we had one back here. Yeah, Sorry, there's a lot of hands so, coming up. Patrick, you a little bit. Uh, you talked a little bit, and, and for anyone, I look around and I'm seeing a lot of diversity. How do you handle it? Or what would you tell someone who hates football? Maybe they hear some different things than you. Maybe they look a little different than you. How do you handle that interview? And is diversity important where you work? And, and for all of you, like, how do you do that? Yeah. Uh, a canopy, uh, I don't know, who's, who's met my team? None of them look like me. Well, Jason might a little bit. I tried when I first started hiring. I was like, I'm never gonna hire me. Um, so I'm gonna hire the stuff that complements me and the rest of the team. So I guess knowing that ahead of time, like um, 
knowing what knowing what we want or that hole to fill is something we have to define ahead of time. And we kind of do that as a team. It's like, okay, where where are we at? Do we do we have do we need from experience? Like, do we need a junior person, a senior person, mid level person on the team? Not only on the skill that they're gonna do, you know, like the team they're gonna work on, um, but what else are we missing? So I when I first started hiring, I looked for. Um, I looked for the, when I my first hire. So an example, my first hire. Uh, who knows Dane and Clark? And I love Dane and Clark. I work with him in structure. Um, he is exactly opposite of me. And when I first started hiring uh, designers, he was the first person I thought of because I thought, okay, I have these strengths, and he had, and I have these, I have these strengths, and I have all of these weaknesses, and he fills all of these weaknesses, um, and so. I try to always look at what we're weakest on, and then that's what I pick out for the people. So it might be, one time it might be foosball, right? Or it might be visual design, or it might be, um, you know, giraffes. we need, it might be giraffes, <laughs> or it might be culture. Like, I, I, I don't know if this is like an HR violation, I might get in trouble, but I look at cultural things too when we talk to people. Um, where, do, where do they come from? How, where, they, where, where were they raised? I work for a lot of companies where everybody I sit next to um, graduated from BYU, from the CS department, and it's like we're all this. Like I, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> I would never graduate from BYU. We can, but go. yeah, <laughs> I went to many colleges, guys. Not one was BYU. <laughs> but you look around, you're like, it just it just homogenizes everything, including the product, right? So when you when you hire somebody with any level of diversity or any level of difference in you, like they have a beard, I don't have a beard. They're female, I'm male. Like that adds something to the team, and so we try to keep that balance of like where where are we are we tipping too far in one direction. I will say, uh, diversity is a, a multifaceted thing. To, to Patrick's point. Um, that being said, you always have to hire for best fit as well, right? Um, there's going to come times where it comes down between two candidates and they both bring equal strengths um, and something to the table that's unique to them. Um, and it comes down to, is this person going to be a great cultural fit? Are they gonna be happy here? I mean, so often I see, and this is becoming a trend, it's kind of scary, people staying at companies for less than a year and moving on to the next thing because they didn't find the right um, that's the last thing I want to do is hire somebody on that in a year from now they're like I don't love it here right um, I want them to love the products we're working on I want them to love the contributions they're making and so it's it's kind of a two-way street right I think it's just as much responsibility on you as it is the hiring manager to find that right fit and to turn down the opportunities that you know you're not probably gonna be you don't see yourself working at in a year two years uh, five years from now. Um, I know that's kind of scary to, to say that because that just seems, oh, I'm pigeonholing myself into a place. But no, you actually get a lot of depth, domain knowledge, um, and you actually start to become more diverse as you get to know people, right? Because at, at the beginning, you might not actually show all your colors, but uh, as, you, uh, as you get to become more familiar with your team, that just creates a uh, tighter knit bond and you create better products that way. Who remembers Saved by the Bell? <laughs> so I gotta have the Saved by the Bell philosophy with the team. If you notice, they're all stereotypically different than each other, but when they unite, they can take Belding down quick. 
right? <laughs> so like you need you need all of the strengths. You need a Voltron, you know. That we kind of have this like morphin time thing we have. It's really stupid, but it's 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 like Power Rangers kind of thing, right? They all have their different strengths and different backgrounds. I love that they're all laughing. This is not a comedy bit. The, uh, they all have their own strengths and weaknesses, but they come together to, to, to create the Megazord to take down the bad guy, right? Are you the White Ranger or the Red Ranger? What, what am I? No, I'm uh, we define this one day. I can't remember. I'm not, I'm not the Pink Ranger. That's okay, for sure. Yeah. I know that's what you thought. You can be any. I'm, I'm, I'm and any other responses to that? Are we, okay, we have a question over here, and then we'll come over here. So yeah, I'll just repeat that. So when you're applying for say UX, do you do you still do you still um, maybe maybe you can repeat that a little bit? Like, do you do you? Um, so when I apply for positions in the past, usually you try to network with the person that you're applying for, trying to get hired. But there's also Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, when, when you're out there applying, I, I think we've all kind of run into that. Like, do we just let the portfolio do the talking for us? Do we, do we be aggressive about the people re we reach out to? Do we find those employees that work at, at Canopy and, and say, hey, how do you like your job? Like, how aggressive do you get in that process? Or do you just say, I have crafted a, a portfolio where I do feel like I stand out. Do I let that do the talking for me? Like, what what works in those situations for for UX? I think you should absolutely like leverage the networks that you've already had. But when you're looking for a job, is probably the wrong time to message someone that you've never talked to in your life and say, "Hey, will you write me a recommendation to this job?" Like networking is a very effective way, and I, it depends on it depend it really depends on the size of the organization, the hiring manager, how busy they are, everything. But but typically, like most people, also, I guess I'll just speak for myself, I like hiring people that know someone on my team, that someone on my team can say, you should hire this person, they're really good, um, over someone that just sent me their portfolio and I've never talked to in my life. Um, and so... But it, but it takes some time to develop those kind of relationships to where that's effective. Um, but it's something that I think you should always be working on, right? And coming to events like this, meeting new people, um, developing relationships so that when you have that need, you know, you can call Patrick up and say, hey, Patrick, I'm looking for a job. Do you have any availability on your team? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll create a position for you because I know you're really good or whatever, you know, like that. But if but that's way different than just like hitting up a cold calling a hiring manager out of the blue and trying to get an interview. Yeah. So on the piece too of standing out, you can always stand out in two ways. <laughs> one, really good, and one, super annoying. 
And most of the time people stand out when you're trying to connect and you're trying to have a text message with them or an email every day. We don't have time for that. So I think there's, there's good ways of standing out. Uh, did you come in for an interview and then they said, well, it might take a week or two. Did you send a nice little thank you note? Or I like cookies. So if I interview you, <laughs> right? Like there's there's more approachable ways than hounding them every day of when are you gonna give me an answer? When are you gonna give me an answer? Do you have any more questions? Do you have this and that? So I think standing out in an intentional way, not in an annoying way, is really the main thing to focus on there. I think asking questions in this event is standing out. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't so to be honest I haven't had an actual like legitimate portfolio uh, in six years like Grady you saw my portfolio it was it was it was just bullshit like it wasn't it wasn't anything I was gonna say something different but not. Uh, um, yeah but like um, I think your first job or your first first like your first couple of jobs I think your portfolio is huge but I think it has to show who you are at the same point um, and the work that you do. But after that, you have to rely on the actual work you do every day and not rely on your portfolio. Like I, I would, I mean, when we, when we, I, I talked about earlier, like I, I put a lot of stock in the portfolio when we're like cold hiring people. Like if I don't have anybody in my network to contact, then we put that thing out and I look at their portfolio. Um, but the most, the, I would say at least half of the people I've hired on my team have some connection somehow to me. Um, one of them, I had lunch, you know, I, I met a couple times, we went and had lunch six months before, and he was a really great guy. I got along with him really well. Um, we weren't hiring at the time. And then when six months after we started to hire, I was like, dude, I'm gonna hire that guy. And then if I can avoid opening up a job posting and going through that hassle, um, that's fantastic, right? So I've always got like a short list of people. Um, some of you are on that list, but I'm not gonna tell you who it is. Uh, but I've got a short list of people I wanna contact and hit up. Most of the time when you contact them, they're like, no, I'm happy here, I'm good, you know, and you're like, okay, well, I'll catch you next time. But most of that standing out, I think for me uh, personally, happens in these like events, um, at like the lunch events. I love going to the lunch events, doing those. Um, People that randomly hit me up in LinkedIn with a weird question, or people that want to like come shadow, like you came and shadowed with us, um, like those. That's how I get to know people is in real life, like real situations. I think that's how you stand up. I would just add to that. You know, I was we I was at a meetup with Patrick, and Patrick had already filled some positions and asked me about some positions we had opened here and had people in mind that he recommended to me that contact me. So I think a lot of that does happen at, at these types of events. Um, let's take one on this side over here. We may just have time for just a couple more. I want to be respectful of everyone's time. I thought we were here so. till nine. <laughs> yeah, nine o'clock. It's, it's seven o'clock right now. So we'll take, okay. we'll take just two more questions and we'll wrap things up. So, so the question was, he's a student, and there's this process of acquiring skills. How how much stock do you take into how they acquired those skills? Yeah, I don't think acquiring skills is the issue. It's the exposure to those skills. 
So have you been exposed to those skills for two weeks or two years? Uh, there's a lot of value in having someone um, that maybe has acquired skills, but maybe they were artistic in school, in high school, and they took a lot of art classes then. So I think sometimes you can't just say, is this a four-year degree person or is it like a, a dev boot camp type place? Like which of that is better? It's what skills, what kind of exposure they had over the years. So boot camps can actually be a great finishing type event that someone has all these rough skills and needs something to kind of clean it up where other individuals might not be exposed to design at all and might need to go to a four-year degree. So I think it's more less about how the skill is acquired, but how long has it been, been used and how efficient are they at that skill. Anybody I, else? I don't care. <laughs> as long as you have the skill, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> we want at least to some level, unless, right? Unless yeah. they went to BYU. <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, we have a couple people that went to BYU. I don't care. All right, we have time for probably just one more question. Let's take back here. Yeah, my question is um, just as hiring managers, I assume, do you have in your mind some. Uh, concept of like a persona of what a junior UX designer is, and especially like the ones um, that you have hired. My question is um, for you is what would be your prescription to that person that didn't land the job that showed promise but wasn't quite there yet? So great question. So yeah, what would you guys prescribe to that that junior UX designer that's trying to enter that field and and didn't get the job, what would you prescribe to them as, this is something you could work on, or this is what I noticed during the hiring process. What, what could you offer to them? So I wish I had the time to disposition every candidate. I really do. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the time to always do that. Right? And so oftentimes, when we're making gut checks and, and quick decisions, um, I would say this. Uh, anytime that uh, you've been uh, a phone call hasn't been returned, or any time that uh, you haven't got the feedback you wanted on your portfolio. Um, obviously, you know it's natural to say, "Was I not good enough?" Right? Don't ever think that way simply because there's always the right time, right fit. Right? Sometimes we're hiring for one spot, and it really comes down to we had 200 applicants, right? And we're trying to find the right fit for the right time with the right experience, right? Um, I would say that uh, for anyone that uh, feels like they lack the experience, something that has greatly benefited me in my career has always been going out and finding a mentor. Um, finding somebody that can give you that one-on-one -on -one time. Right? Finding some, and I think we've, we're kind of doing that with the UX program, right? where they can give you more of that direct feedback. Um, because the hiring manager is not going to have the time. And sometimes we don't have the time to even mentor our own people that we have on staff, which we wish we had more time for. Right? Um, so I'd say find a mentor and, and or a peer, somebody that can give you more of that one-on-one -on -one feedback. What I love about that comment too is too many times I think we try and crowdsource our portfolios and our resumes to hopefully the community can somebody will what it is. get it. Right? And sometimes the feedback there isn't coming from the people who are going to hire you. So I think to that comment of finding a mentor, finding someone that you can trust, they're going to give you more candid feedback, more appropriate than just, hey, everybody look at my portfolio and tell me what's wrong. 
might not be the right way of really focusing on the people that you respect their opinion and go get it directly from them. I know I've said this before, but I think just doing more of the work. I mean, I even have some freelance stuff I'm doing after we leave here. And I have a startup idea that I'm working on the weekends. Um, in job interviews, I'm asked, what do you do when you're not designing? I'm usually designing, because I just, I just love the work that much. And so I think if you're looking to have more experience making yourself appear however better in whatever way you think you need to improve, I think that's a good way to go. Because that's helpful. You're supposed to say golf, go golfing. So I, I hate golfing. golfing. <laughs> I hate football. <laughs> Put down your guitar and play some top golf. <laughs> I just guitar and golf. Great. Any other responses to that? I was gonna say ask the ask the hiring manager. Like I, I, like there's certain things like our HR people department won't let me talk about, you know? Like but um yeah, I would say if you if you didn't get the job, like ask them for feedback. Hopefully even, they'll give it to you. I mean, even before you didn't get the job. Like that's actually yeah. one of my favorite interview questions is what concerns do you have about my candidacy that I could address before we leave. It, it gives you a chance for some. It gives you a chance, because then you're in the interview, you're, you have a captive audience essentially, and you know, you can usually tell if, if they get all like nervous and don't want to say anything, or or maybe sometimes, you know, if you have someone that will actually give you that feedback. Um, I've had candidates ask me that before, and I've given them open feedback about it. Hiring people is what keeps me up at night, not anything else. I usually sleep pretty good from like the business standpoint. But when we're hiring, like I'm like stressed out. I'm like a freak show. Because like, you, you, it always comes down to like two or three people that are all good. And then you have to try to, you have to try to edit that, right? Like you have to try to figure out why. And it's like, well, I would hire, like I would hire all of these people today. If I can, like, at one point I did ask if I could hire two designers because I couldn't make a decision, and the finance, the financer was like, no, no, one. Um, so I think, I think, um, knowing that on your on your end when you're looking for a job, just knowing that like if you get turned down, like you were talking about, if you get turned down for something, it's like, it's it's just not quite the right fit, like, and they had to make a really hard decision in most of the time. Um, so keep that in mind too, but yeah, always just ask for feedback from them. Yeah. Great, awesome. Well, we are out of time, so I wanna be respectful of everyone's time here. Um, here's the thing though, I hope that through this meetup that we've done, this panel, that you guys kinda of see here that we're all just having a discussion. I, I hope that if there's something you didn't get to ask tonight, a lot of hands were up. We didn't have time for everybody to have their questions answered, but each one of these guys is active on Slack or they are available to talk to, you know, right now if they're not leaving. Like, that's what this should be about. It should be this open forum where we feel like I can Slack Jeff later and say, hey, you said something earlier that really resonated with me and I just had a couple questions about it. What better way to start building that network, uh, especially for some of the students? I see a lot of uh, students that are in here right now and it's like, now is that time, now is your opportunity. Uh, we, we ran one of these panels just a, about a month ago for, for a different event and it was fascinating to see people connect through social media or through LinkedIn or through Slack and just start to make those connections. Um, and, and I hope and I encourage that each one of you will do that as well. 
So, you know, if you can stay, if not, I understand, but you know, stay here for a few minutes and mingle and, and figure out, hey, something resume, resonated with me. If you don't have time, slack them. Um, slack someone that you met here. So let's give the panelists a round of applause. A big thanks again to our panelists, Jeremy Bird, Jeff Carter, Patrick Cox, Grady Kelly, and Rich Paulson, and again to 1-800-CONTACTS for hosting this event. If you learned some things from this discussion, be sure to share it with your team, or share it on Twitter, and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. Be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon. Mm-hmm.